Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. In this episode of the podcast, you're going to learn all about your options for managing those contractions during labor. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 129. Thank you. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. So this is an episode that I actually originally did like almost two years ago, a hundred episodes ago, actually. So I figured it was long overdue to update it. So in this episode, you're going to learn all about your options for managing pain during labor. And here's the thing. 
Everyone who's having a baby needs to know all the options, whether you plan to get an epidural or you plan to have an unmedicated birth or you're somewhere in between. If you plan to get an epidural, there will be a period of time that you have to manage pain before you get the epidural. I actually recommend that you stay home as long as possible before you go to the hospital, assuming everything is okay with your pregnancy, so that you're in good active labor by the time you get to the hospital. That actually reduces the chances of unnecessary interventions. So even if you plan to get an epidural, you need techniques to manage contractions before you get to the hospital. And if you plan to go without an epidural or have an unmedicated birth, which some people say is a natural birth, I actually believe all birth is natural. And when we, I refer to birth without medications as unmedicated birth, as opposed to natural birth. So if you plan to do an unmedicated birth, then you want to know about some of those other things that you can use that are short of an epidural to help you as well. And then if you're somewhere in between, not sure what you want to do, then you definitely need to know all of your options. So in this episode, you're going to learn about medication-free techniques for coping with pain like hydrotherapy, massage, and movement. You're going to learn about medications that are not an epidural, specifically opioid medications and nitrous oxide, and you'll learn the side effects, risk, pros, and cons of each. And then finally, we'll end with epidurals. And again, the side effects, risk, pros, cons of getting epidurals. Now, there is a ton of great information in this episode that you are going to want to remember, but you don't need to take any notes because I've created a free guide that you can download that includes all this information, also includes some pictures in the guide, as well as questions that you want to ask your doctor about pain management options. So you can grab that free guide at drnicolerankins.com forward slash pain, and that link will be in the show notes. Now, before we get into the episode, let's do a quick listener shout out. This is from Ashley Ann 2021, and I hope I said that correctly. And the title of the review says, A Million Thanks. The review says, Dr. Rankins has absolutely been a key part of getting me through this pregnancy so far. First pregnancy, now my third trimester. I've been listening since early on in pregnancy and it has helped me really feel informed and calm in these chaotic times of COVID. I feel like I'll be on the way to the hospital listening to her. I love that. I love the balanced evidence-based information that she and her guests provide. It's a great mix of excellent information, strategies, tools, resources, advocacy, and my all-time favorite, the birth stories. I'm all over this podcast and recommend it to all my pregnant friends. It is also informative for providers, support partners, and people considering pregnancy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Dr. Rankins. Well, thank you for taking the time to leave that kind review in Apple podcast about the podcast. I so, so appreciate it. And yes, that is exactly why I'm here to provide information, strategy, tools, resources, and help you advocate for yourself for you, so you can have that beautiful pregnancy and birth that you deserve. All right. So let's get into the episode on your options for managing pain in labor. All right. So the first thing we need to do is just talk a little bit about labor pain in general. Now, 
People sometimes call contractions or labor pain different things. Some call it things like surges or waves, and that is an attempt to help mentally kind of wrap ourselves around it a bit better in a different way and sort of dissociate it from it being something as pain. And you can definitely call it however you feel, like, you know, if you want to call it waves or surges, if that works for you, then that's totally fine. I'm going to refer to it in the episode as pain. Now, of course, although women experience labor differently, most will interpret contractions as painful. And I don't think we have to be afraid to name it as pain. You know, it is what it is. And then we'll talk about it and strategies to manage it. Now, the reason that it's sometimes challenging to talk about labor pain is because this is often the thing that concerns women the most about giving birth. There is a lot of fear surrounding labor pain. Now, I know that some of that comes from what you see on TV and depictions of labor being this like crazy, overwhelming event where women are screaming and it's chaotic and losing control. Um, Some of it comes from personal experience experiences where maybe you've had a friend or family member go through the labor process and you saw how intense that can be. Now, all of that fear is totally normal. It's also very common, but do know that you don't have to let that fear overwhelm you. Like it doesn't have to be this chaotic, overwhelming process, managing pain during labor. So it's okay to fear it. This is something that's new to you. You've never done it before, but there are strategies that you can use to really help you manage it and take control of the process and not have it control you. Now, one of the really important parts of that is you have to rethink how you think about pain, okay? And I'm gonna explain that in a minute. And when you do this, when you rethink the way that you think about labor pain in particular, this will help you work with your body to manage the pain instead of fearing it and working against that pain. You want to work with your body to manage the pain and use it to birth your baby. Okay, so here's what I mean by saying that we have to think about labor pain differently. Pain is normally something in our bodies that we interpret as a problem. That's the way that our bodies let us know that something's going on, right? So if you fall and hurt yourself, then you have pain. If you stick your hand on a hot stove, it's gonna be painful. If you break a bone, it's gonna be painful. If you have something going on inside of your body, you know, like appendicitis or something like that, that's gonna manifest as pain. Pain is a signal that our bodies give us that something is wrong and that something needs attention. However, in the case of labor, pain is different. It's actually a pain that's caused by something that's good. It is the process of you birthing your baby. So it's different in that regard. It's also different in that this pain is definitely going to come to an end. We know that there's an end point and you have this beautiful thing at the end of it. You have your baby. Also, this pain comes and goes 
at mostly predictable intervals. So you can predict when the pain is going to come. Contractions come in a regular predictable pattern. So if you can understand those things and think about labor pain in that way, that it's a different type of pain, it's actually not signaling a problem. You have some guidance about how to predict when it's going to come so you can be prepared for it. When you think about labor pain that way, that can help make it easier to manage, okay? It makes it easier to work with your body and that pain and not against it. Because when you work against it and tense up and fight it, then it can actually make the process of labor even more painful or even longer, all right? Now, another thing that I want you to know is that as far as how you manage pain, there is absolutely no one right way for how you manage pain and labor. This is very, very much so a personal decision. And it's one that you have to make for yourself. Your friends can't make it for you. Your mom, your sister, your family members, social media can't make it for you. You have to make it for yourself and know that whatever choice you make is the right choice for you. Be confident that you've made the right choice for yourself. Okay. Also, it's important to understand that it's okay if you change your mind. Um, You don't have to stick to any one particular way. You can change your mind at any point in the process. All right. So let's now get into the actual options for managing pain. First, we're going to talk about medication-free pain management techniques. So As I said earlier, all women need to know some familiars to manage labor pain without medication, even if you plan to use some sort of medication, because again, there's going to be a period of time that you will experience labor before you can get any medications or before you can get an epidural. Okay. Also, I will say that sometimes things can go kind of fast. Okay. Labor goes a little bit faster than you anticipated. There can also be delays where you can't get an epidural right away. An epidural is considered an elective procedure. It's not a necessity necessarily. So sometimes there may be delays in getting an epidural. Expecting parents who are looking for great nursery decor, this message is for you. As you prepare for the beautiful journey ahead, let Home Threads be your partner in creating a serene nest for your growing family. At HomeThreads.com, explore a collection designed for comfort and style during this special time. From cozy nursery essentials to soothing rocking chairs, Home Threads has everything to create the perfect home for your little one and always at the best value. If you like unique items, then you definitely need to check out Home Threads. We got a silver picture frame from Home Threads that is absolutely beautiful. It's one of those timeless classic items that will last for years to come and it fits in any space in your home. Be sure to visit homethreads.com forward slash Dr. Nicole today and receive a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. 
So you really want to have these techniques available to you in your back pocket so you can manage those contractions without pain and not feel overwhelmed by it. All right. Now I do want to say that if you are planning to have an unmedicated birth, then you're going to need more in-depth preparation than what I'm going to talk about in this podcast episode. You need to have a more detailed plan in place for how you're going to cope with that pain. Um, Some folks think that you can kind of just come in and go with the flow and see how things go if you want to do an unmedicated birth. But I have found in my 15 years of experience now doing this, that if you have a plan in place for how you're going to manage pain without medication, then that pain is not so overwhelming and you find it easier to manage, especially in the hospital where options for medications are so easy to get to. If you have that plan in place from the beginning, then it's much easier to have an unmedicated birth in the hospital. Okay. If you don't have a plan again, and you just sort of go with the flow, then the pain can sometimes be overwhelming. Often I will say be overwhelming. So again, when you have that plan in place, it'll help you manage pain better. So if you're wanting to do an unmedicated birth, you're going to have to do a little bit more in-depth preparation than what I'm going to talk about today. All right, with that being said, let's talk about some important aspects of medication-free pain management techniques. Number one is support. Support is really, really important. So you want to have your partner there, a friend or family member, whoever you want, and they need to be ready to support you. They need to be ready to assist you with things like moving around. They need to be able to assist you with some of the techniques that I'm going to talk about. They also need to be able to advocate for you and for your wishes when you can't. When you're in the throes of labor, it's kind of hard to have a detailed conversation about something. So you need someone there who can advocate for you on your behalf, who knows what you want for your birth, who can get things for you like a sip of water if you want something to drink or some ice cubes or a cool washcloth, all of those things. So you really need a supportive partner or friend or family member with you to do those things. And one of the things that I see people miss sometimes is that that support person has to feel comfortable seeing you experience pain. It can be very hard for a partner or a mother, sister, your friend to see you in pain, especially if they're not anticipating it and they're not, um, you know, ready or familiar with what that looks like. It can be hard to physically watch if it's not something that you've seen before. So they need to be prepared ahead of time to understand that, again, this labor pain is something different. It doesn't mean that something's wrong and they need to be ready and comfortable and able to deal with that. Some of the ways that you can help with that is just look at YouTube videos of labor and you can see what labor looks like just to give people a feel for like how the process looks. So they're not freaking out when you have those first contractions that something is wrong and they understand that this is a normal part of the process. 
Now, some people also consider having a doula and a doula can be a great support, especially for a medication free birth. Okay. And a doula, for those who don't know, is someone who is not medically trained, but they are trained to support people during labor and birth. I highly support doulas. Evidence shows that they can help decrease your need for pain medication, increase your chances for having a vaginal birth, decrease your cesarean risk. So a well-trained doula can offer you a lot of techniques to help you manage pain and not just techniques for you, but techniques for your partner as well to help you manage pain without medication. Now, some of those techniques that are commonly used, one of the most common ones that's used is massage. And I should say, I'm going to talk about several techniques because as you're going through the process of, um, managing pain without medication, you may find that some things work, some things don't, some things you thought might work. You actually hate when the time comes. So you really want to have a lot of options in your toolbox, and then you can pick and choose and go through the different options as you go through your labor. So one of the most common things that's used is massage, and that can work really well. A couple of specific places that work well for massage are low back massage, and I have a picture of that in the free guide that you can download. Also, the double hip squeeze is a really um, common technique that's used as well. You can just Google YouTube videos of double hip squeeze. Okay, now another technique that works well is focused or patterned breathing. The classic one that we think of is the Lamaze, like that's one that can be used, but there are lots of different ways that you can use. It's really just focusing on your breathing. Another common thing, you can breathe into a count of five, then exhale out to a count of five. It's really just focusing on your breath and being intentional about that. When you are focused on your breathing, I know it sounds crazy, but it will actually take your attention away from the pain and you won't be quite so fixated on it, okay? All right, now, another great option for managing pain without medication is position changes. And position changes or movement are important both for helping relieve pain and they're important to help get your baby in an optimal position for birth and help your baby move through the pelvis. So movement is going to be really key. And there are lots of things you can try. You can do squats, you can do lunges, you can lean against a wall, you can lean against your partner, you can lean over the bed. All of those things can help. And I have some pictures in the free guide for some options you can try there as well. Just plain old walking around can help with relieving discomfort and pain. Another thing that you can use for position changes is a birthing ball. A birthing ball is just a big exercise ball. You can um, open your legs, um, keep them open wide to help keep your pelvis open. You can roll around on it. It can help just relieve that pain and pressure. And birthing balls, uh, most hospitals these days will have those. So you can use that in the hospital. And if you want to get one at home, they're like pretty inexpensive on Amazon. Another one that people swear by in terms of positions is sitting on the toilet. I have had some folks, I remember a birth story episode in particular, where she said all she could do was just sit on the toilet. That was the only thing that helped to relieve her contractions while she was at home. So sitting on the toilet, whether front facing or um, facing backwards, can be really helpful as well. 
All right. Now, another thing that can help is hydrotherapy, and that's just using water. So getting in the shower or bathtub. Lots of women swear by using water to help manage pain during labor. It can be really, really outstanding. Now, keep in mind that not all hospitals have showers and tubs, so you may not be able to use this option at the hospital. You want to check ahead of time on that, but you can definitely use this at home. You know, when those early contractions start, take a nice shower or a warm bath to help relieve the discomfort. All right, now if you're planning to go completely unmedicated and have a medicated birth, there um, is another option. I don't think you need to pursue this if you're not planning to have a completely unmedicated birth, but hypnobirthing is also something that women can use to help manage pain without medication. Now keep in mind that hypnobirthing does require preparation and a class, and it actually requires quite a bit of practice. That was something I was surprised to learn. In episode 95 of the podcast, I interviewed someone who teaches hypnobirthing hypnobirthing. So you can check that out. It's drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 95. And that's episode all spelled out. But hypnobirthing is something that you can use to help manage pain without medication. All right. And then the final thing that I will say is that there are some books that folks find useful when they are looking for medication-free techniques or stories or supportive things for going without medication during birth. Ina May's Guide to Childbirth, of course, is a tried and true popular book as well. I have read that book. Um, It's a great book. It does have some outdated statistics and information, like some of the numbers in there are outdated, but the overall premise of the book is great. I actually really like the book Birthing From Within, and I don't get anything for mentioning either of these books. I just actually read them myself. Um, And I like that book a lot. I thought it was really helpful. Um, There were some parts of it that were a little bit like, like it asks you to draw and do these sort of artsy things. And I like, okay, maybe that part is not for me, but the overall premise of the book and the content is good. There's also some outdated statistical information in that book as well, but numbers are always going to be outdated in books, you know, as you get more information. So, you know, just know that going into it. And then another um, book that folks use or classes actually too, is the Bradley method is another option for unmedicated birth. Um, and then there's hypnobirthing books as well. So you can check out all of those. Now, as far as some of the pros and cons of medication-free options, um, for the pros, there's no exposure to medication for you or your baby. And that can be a bonus for some people, some people that makes them feel better. Okay. And I will say that most women will really feel very empowered after an unmedicated birth. Um, I do see some circumstances where folks feel overwhelmed because they weren't expecting to have an unmedicated birth and it went very fast. But for the most part, women feel very, very empowered after having an unmedicated birth. And then also women recover faster from an unmedicated birth. You're up and walking around faster. You don't have to wait to get your feeling back. You just feel more like yourself um, after an unmedicated birth. And then the cons, and I don't know that these are necessarily cons about an unmedicated birth, but if you're giving birth in the hospital, it can be tempting or easy to get an epidural because it's readily available. Okay. So that's where planning really comes into place. If you want to do an unmedicated birth for the distance, you need to be prepared ahead of time to deal with that. 
And then another con I say, and I'm doing like air quotes around cons is that if you have a completely unmedicated birth and you end up needing, um, stitches after birth because you had some vaginal tears, sometimes that can be hard to get comfortable. We use numbing medication, but injecting a lot and then the right spaces that can be a little bit tricky. All right, now I actually have a whole separate bonus lesson in the birth preparation course on unmedicated birth in the hospital. And the birth preparation course is my signature online childbirth education class that gets you calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful birth. And that uh, bonus lesson has six additional powerful tips specifically related to unmedicated birth in the hospital. So you can check out all the details of the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. All right, so let's move on to medications that are not an epidural. These can be divided into two categories. One is opioid medications and the other is nitrous oxide. Both of these medications work by reducing your awareness of pain. Now we're familiar with opioids or you're probably familiar with opioids from the opioid epidemic. It's the same opioids, just given in a different way. Opioids are a very powerful class of medications that help relieve pain. And in the context of labor, they can be given into a muscle or they can be given intravenously, that is through an IV. And most often they are given through an IV. Sometimes we give a big dose in the muscle if someone is having a long early labor and they need to get some rest, but most of the time we're giving it through the IV. Now, just so you know, all opioid medications will cross the placenta and they will get to your baby. However, your baby's going to clear the medication out of its system the same way that you do, all right? It just takes your baby longer to do so. We also have to watch the baby's heart rate carefully because there may be some changes in the baby's heart rate because of the opioid medications. If you've ever taken opioids before and some common pill ones or things like Percocet or or Vicodin, they may make you kind of sleepy and that can do the same thing for a baby. So your baby's heart rate will look a little bit different. Typically we want to see a heart rate bounce up and down. That's something called variability and opioids can cause a loss of variability in the heart rate. We just have to keep a close eye on things. We also have to be careful about giving too much opioids close to delivery because if the baby has those medicines in their system when they're born, they may have some difficulty breathing. They may have trouble suckling. I've never seen those happen, but you do have to be careful about giving opioids close to delivery. Now, the thing about opioids is that they do work pretty quickly. They take effect in about five to 10 minutes, doesn't take long. And the effects can last anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, usually longer, as long as six hours in some cases. It really just depends on how your body metabolizes the medication. And as I said, it's going to take your baby a little bit longer to clear the medication from their system. That's why we have to be careful about the timing of it in relation to your birth. Because it takes babies longer to clear it and we don't want to give it too close to delivery, once folks are in active labor, I usually limit it to two doses during active labor and I don't give it beyond seven centimeters to avoid those risks. All right, now moving on, let's talk about nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide is the other non-epidural medication that you can use, and it's also known as laughing gas. It's an inhaled gas, and it's 
actually been used for decades to provide pain relief and labor. It's used a lot more extensively in Europe than it is in the United States, but its popularity and availability is definitely increasing in the U.S., And the way that you do nitrous oxide is that you give yourself the medication through a mouthpiece or a face, a face mask, and it contains a combination of nitrous oxide and oxygen. Um, There are some things that have to be in place. You have to have equipment in place. So you only get the medicine and other people in the room aren't exposed to it. And the way that you do nitrous oxide is that you give yourself the medication through a mouthpiece or a face mask, and it contains a combination of the nitrous oxide gas and oxygen. Usually it's a 50-50 mix. Now, unlike opioids, nitrous oxide is cleared very quickly from your system and very quickly from your baby system. So it really doesn't have any risk for the baby, and it can be used up until the very end of birth. I find that in my experience, it's kind of like maybe a little more than 50-50 in terms of whether or not people find nitrous oxide useful. It does have like a tank and equipment and things that you have to use, so it can be a little bit cumbersome. But for some people, it works. Um, Some people, you know, it doesn't work as, as well, but it's certainly worth giving a try. Okay, let's get into some of the side effects and risk, and we're going to talk about the IV medications first. Some women are allergic to them, so you have to be careful with that. Some can have an intense itching after getting opioids. It's actually not an allergy. It's more of an adverse reaction where you just have intense itching. Some folks can have nausea or vomiting, and some folks, again, can feel just kind of drowsy and out of it. For the nitrous oxide, it can also cause dizziness or nausea or vomiting or sort of a drowsy feeling. Again, that's why it's called laughing gas, but I don't see an experience that people experience that a lot. Now, in terms of the pros and cons of each, for those IV opioid medications, they can be fantastic at helping you get through a rough patch of your labor. So if you're having like a long part of labor, Those opioid medications can be great to help you get some rest and regroup and get back in the game for the remainder of your labor. For the nitrous oxide benefits, um, you can still be mobile, you can move around, you have control over it, it's short acting like I mentioned. It also does not require continuous monitoring of your baby's heart rate, so you don't have to be on the monitor all the time, whereas with the opioid medications, you do. Now, as far as the cons and the biggest cons, and I don't know that this is a con, I just want to say that this is something that you need to be aware of. These medications are not as effective as an epidural. Do not think that these can be a substitute for the type of pain relief that you will get with an epidural. They just are not that level of pain relief. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favorite to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy Into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. 
and that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. All right, so let's talk about epidurals. Epidurals work by decreasing most sensation, including pain. So it's not just that your pain level will be decreased. You won't feel a lot of anything from a certain level down with an epidural. It decreases all sensation. All right. So you won't feel your legs as much. Um, You won't feel when you have to go to the bathroom. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Now, the way an epidural works is that a catheter is placed in what is the outermost part of the spinal canal that's called the epidural space. And when you put that catheter there, it allows for repeated administration of pain medication. So what that means is that you can keep getting doses or you can get a continuous infusion through a pump. So once you get an epidural, that pain relief is going to last for the duration of your labor, no matter how long your labor is. That's a common thing that people ask about. Is the epidural going to run out? No, it will not. Whether it's a few hours or a couple days, the epidural lasts the entire time. Now, epidurals can actually be given at any point in labor. And I've seen the full gamut. I've seen folks who've gotten epidurals at two centimeters. It's not true. They have to be four or five or a certain number of centimeters before you get an epidural. You can also get an epidural at 10 centimeters. 10 centimeters is when you're completely dilated. It's not common, but it can be done to get an epidural when you're completely dilated. They really can be given at any point in the labor process. Now do understand that they do take some time to set up. It doesn't happen right away. There's about 30 minutes or so of preparation before an epidural happens. And then it takes about 20 minutes or so for the pain relief to kick in. So it doesn't happen immediately. Also know that there are a few circumstances where women cannot get an epidural. If you have issues with your platelets, platelets are what help your blood clot. If they're too low, you can't get an epidural because that puts you at risk for something called an epidural hematoma, which is a blood clot around that epidural space. Extremely dangerous, could lead to paralysis. So if your platelets are too low, you may not be able to get an epidural. Also, if there's something different about your anatomy, for example, if you have scoliosis, then you may not be able to get an epidural. Or if you've had surgery on your back, you have any sort of hardware in your back from surgery, then you may not be able to get an epidural. If you have any of those things, then you definitely want to see an anesthesiologist during your pregnancy. Yes, that is possible. And they can give you an idea of what your options are for getting an epidural. Now, contrary to popular belief, 
Epidurals do not increase your risk for cesarean when you look at all the research studies that just is not the case. Epidurals do, however, increase your risk of having what's called an assisted vaginal birth with either using vacuum or forceps. And I think that that's related to the fact that if you're not feeling as much, then it's harder for you to know where to push. You end up pushing longer and then we get into the vacuum or forceps situation right at the end, but there's only a slightly increased risk of that happening. Epidurals will also slow down labor, but only by a little bit. Studies show that epidurals slow down labor by around 30 minutes or so. So it is not a significant amount of time. Now, I do want to say a quick word about walking epidurals where you're able to get up and move around with an epidural. This is really a misnomer. I have not seen this happen and I've seen, you know, been doing this for 15 years. It's not really common that anesthesiologists do walking epidurals. Um, most women do not have enough sensation in their legs to walk with an epidural in place. But what we can do is make it so that you're not completely numb. We can decrease the amount of medication so you can feel something, but not everything. And it's actually important that you're not completely dead numb because if you're completely numb when it comes time to push, then it's very difficult to push because you need to feel some sensation so you know the right place to focus when you do push, all right? So you don't want to be completely numb. You want to feel something. You don't want to be in like screaming pain or intense pain, but you want to feel something. So don't go into this, even if you plan to have an epidural, thinking that you're not going to feel anything. You're never going to feel a single contraction, a single bit of pain. Please do not go into your birth with that mindset. You want to go into it thinking that the epidural is going to help decrease the sensation of pain. So it's manageable for you and you can feel something when it's time to push that is going to make your labor and birth go the smoothest. There are side effects to epidurals. The most common side effects are itching. It can cause pretty intense itching, actually. Sometimes folks have nausea and vomiting. A weird one, and we don't exactly understand why it happens, is shivering. Really, really intense shivering that you don't have control over, even though you're not cold. I learned a trick from one of the midwives is that you can actually stick your tongue out and the shivering will stop, but obviously you can't sit there, you know, like, ah, with your tongue stuck out all the time, but that will help decrease the shivering. Epidurals can also cause a drop in your blood pressure where your blood pressure drops. And when that happens, then the blood flow to your uterus can drop. And if the blood flow to your uterus drops and that can affect the baby's heart rate. And typically that happens right after the epidural is placed. If it's going to happen, if that does, happen, then the fix for it is to fix your blood pressure. This is where sometimes obstetricians get into trouble and where folks talk about the cascade of interventions and how epidurals can lead to an increased risk of C-section is that get an epidural, blood pressure drops, baby heart, baby's heart rate drops. And instead of fixing the problem with the blood pressure, the solution is because the baby's heart rate is low is to deliver the baby via cesarean. But that's not what should happen. What should happen is when your blood pressure drops, we need to fix your blood pressure. Also, some folks rarely have headaches after an epidural. It can slightly reduce your effectiveness of breastfeeding that is short term and gets better very quickly with time. All right. Now, another side effect is that 
or I shouldn't say side effect or risk, is that epidurals sometimes may need to be replaced. Occasionally, they don't last the duration. They may move, the catheter gets bent, and it may need to be replaced during the course of your labor. Sometimes they can be one-sided where you get more relief on one side than the other so it doesn't feel balanced. Or in rare instances, epidurals do not work at all, okay? I do need to make you aware of that, all right? Um, Again, it doesn't happen commonly, but sometimes they don't work. Now, I'm not trying to like scare you off from epidurals or anything like that. It's just that it's the biggest intervention that we're talking about. And with the bigger intervention, it's going to come with more potential things that can happen with it. These things don't happen very commonly. The vast majority of people that get an epidural don't have any issues, but you do want to know about these things going into it so that you're prepared. For some of the pros of having an epidural, number one is that without question, when an epidural works, it works. It is excellent pain relief. There is no getting around that. When you have a great epidural, you will have excellent pain relief during labor. The other pro is that it's going to last up until delivery. Um, That catheter is there. You can keep getting the medication, so it's not going to wear off. They can also be used for a C-section if necessary. And then really little medicine from the epidural reaches the baby. The medicine really almost exclusively stays in that epidural space around your spine so it doesn't reach your baby, whereas opioid medications, for example, will. Now, some of the cons of having an epidural, probably the biggest con is that you're going to be tethered to stuff. You're going to be connected to stuff. You're going to have an IV. You have to have an IV so you can get IV fluids. um, So it helps prevent your blood pressure from dropping. You have to keep getting IV fluids. You can't feel the sensation to use the bathroom with an epidural. Remember, it doesn't just decrease pain it decreases all sensation from a certain level down. So there's a risk of your bladder overfilling because you can't feel the sensation to go. So periodically we have to do a catheter so that we can empty your bladder. Also, you're going to be confined to the bed for the most part. Walking epidurals don't happen very frequently. Now we do do position changes, move you around in the bed, use peanut balls and things like that. But for the most part, you are going to be confined to the bed when you have an epidural. And as I mentioned, they take time. Oh, sorry. One more thing. You have to be uh, continuously monitored. When you have an epidural, you're going to have continuous um, fetal monitoring where you're monitoring your baby all the time. And then, as I said, they take time. They take preparation anywhere from 30 minutes or so to get everything set up. Also, the anesthesiologist has to get there in the hospital and not have other things going on. Uh, So it's just going to take some time. Just be aware of that. Okay, so just to wrap up, your choices for managing pain and labor, you have medication-free techniques, which include things like massage, focused or pattern breathing, position changes, hypnosis, hydrotherapy, equipment like the birthing ball. You have medications that are not an epidural, like IV opioid medications, or they can also be given in a muscle. You can also use nitrous oxide as well. Remember that nitrous oxide is not available at all hospitals, so you do need to ask about that first. First, if that's something that you're interested in. And then of course we have epidurals. 
Also remember that in order to really best manage pain, you have to think about it differently. You have to rethink the way you think about pain. This is a different type of pain. It's not signaling that anything is wrong in your body. It's actually part of the normal process of birth. And when you look at it that way, that it's not something that's bad, it's necessary in order to bring your baby here, then you can work with your body, work with the contractions in order to have a more beautiful birth. Also remember that whatever you choose to manage pain is a personal choice. Whatever choice you make is the right choice for you. All right. Now don't forget about the free guide at drnicolerankins.com forward slash pain. It contains the information in this episode, as well as some additional information, as well as images and questions to ask your doctor about pain management and labor. And if you want an even deeper dive into pain management options, then definitely check out the birth preparation course, my online childbirth education class that gets you calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful birth. There is a bonus lesson in there on unmedicated birth specifically in the hospital where you get some really powerful tips to help you rock that unmedicated hospital birth. There's a beautiful principle guide with even more medication-free techniques and images and descriptions of how to do the techniques and then some other special bonuses as well. So check out all the details of the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. So there you have it. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and Apple podcast or wherever you're listening to me right now, Google podcast or Spotify. And if you feel so inclined, I'd love it if you leave an honest review in Apple podcast in particular helps other women to find the show helps the show to grow. And I do shout outs from those reviews from time to time. And also come follow me on Instagram. We can continue the conversation there. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. Would love to see you there as well. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week. And until then, I wish you a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. Head to my website, drnicolerankins.com to get even more great information, including free downloadable resources on how to manage pain and labor and warning signs to look out for after birth. You'll also find information on my free online class on how to make a birth plan that works, as well as everything you need to know about my signature online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com and I will see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.